have no screen. <laughs> okay, well, you know, we, we always depend on you. Remember everything. <laughs> That's true. And so many remote controls. That's interesting. So it's 4.25 a.m. on the screen when it came up. <laughs> okay. I came up with a different title. It's early Friday morning. Like 2 a.m. in the morning. That's the setting. It's in the garden. Where the guys went to sleep. Where they went to sleep. And... Now everybody's awake. Everybody's awake. He's, he's, he's right now, I would say, Jesus is resolved. Let's make it happen. It's, you know, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. Okay, God's will, let's, let's go do it. Let's get it done. So, I want to help so if I turn it on. His arrest. And what I did was actually his arrest in is, a, is an all four, but I took pieces of different ones. So you talk about it. First one, Matthew. And while he was speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, came accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs, who came from the chief priests and elders of the people. So Matthew, Matthew was there, right? He was there. So who came to get Jesus? The soldiers. soldiers. Anybody else? It doesn't really say, does it? It says a large crowd. But you really don't know who it is. With clubs and swords. I don't think they were 4-H clubs. I think they were physical clubs. Huh? Well, it, it doesn't explain it in Matthew, does it? No. Who sent them? And the elders. Okay, so it was the leadership that sent the large crowd, whoever the crowd was. But you don't know who it was. Look at John. Now Judas, who was betraying him, also knew the place because Jesus had met there with the disciples. Matter of fact, probably that particular week, they had gone out before Judas went out and met there in the night that week. So Judas, having obtained the Roman cohort, cohort and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came with, there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. So you get a little bit more out of John. So how did, you, how did Judas know where to go? He knew where to go because they'd been there before, right? Yeah. That's where they usually went. Okay, they went somewhere on Mount of Olives because the garden is in, on the mountain. It's on kind of the base of the mountain. Gardens don't do very well high. So who came to get Jesus from what John talks about? Because he gets a little bit more. Yeah, 
from the corridor and officers from the chief priests. Okay. How big is a cohort? It's a Roman cohort that went there, right? If two, two horts? How insightful. Okay. Anybody else got a guess? I, I, had a, I had a number in my mind when I looked it up and I was wrong. A bunch or a little bit? There's a vague way to do it. <laughs> there are 420 soldiers in a cohort. This is a big crowd. It's the chief priests, the Pharisees, and a Roman cohort. You've probably got close to 450 people that have now gone in this garden to go pick up Jesus. You know, if you watch the movies and invite that, it's like five or 12 or something like that. And you kind of get the idea that there aren't that many. Because you've got the chief priests, and you'll find out later that there's other people there as well as the cohort because the slave gets his ear cut off. So they brought the slaves that supported the chief priests and things like that. So it was, there's a big group. You know, they're moving through this garden and they're coming to pick up one guy. Now he who was betraying him gave him the sign previously saying, Whom, whom, whomever I kiss, he is the one, arrest him. And immediately Judas went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come for. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. So the indicator? A kiss. Kiss of death. Kiss of betrayal. Why did he need an indicator? I always wondered about this one. Why did they need him to go say, here's who he is? All week long, he's been teaching in the temple and <laughs> in plain sight. Everybody could see him. And it's, but I'm wondering whether or not, because the Roman cohort wasn't there in the temple. And the ones who arrested him and bound him were the Romans. What do you think is going through Judas' mind at this point? There's no good answer. There's no bad answer. Money, money, money. Show me the money. Could it be, well, you know, they're going to arrest him, but he's just going to walk right out of it? I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. He did. He did. It'd been better if you'd never been born. Oops. How did I do that? I, I had one I didn't. Okay, Jesus therefore knowing all things that were coming upon him. So this is a little bit different. This is John's account. Came out into the open and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus the Nazarene. He said to them, I am he. And notice that he is an italics. Italics means it was added. 
And Judas also, who was betraying him, was standing with him. And now then, when he had said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell on the ground. He then asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus the Nazarene. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. For if you are seeking me, let these men go on their way. So how did he address the crowd when they approached? Yeah, he said, I am. He says, okay, who are you seeking? He knew who they were seeking, right? So it wasn't really Judas's kiss, because he walked right out and he said, whom are you seeking? I think it's in Matthew's account, because Matthew looked at it from a betrayal standpoint. John looked at it to say, what really happened? What happened? Judas kissed him, but what, what happened and how did Jesus approach it? John's account of the gospel talks more about the man. Matthew was talking about it from a different perspective, how the Jews betrayed Jesus and fulfilled all prophecy. What seemed to be Jesus' concern at this point? The other apostles, the other disciples. Let these guys go. You only came after me. You just said it. You only came after me. And I talked about why they differed. Um, so how did they react when Jesus identified himself? They went, okay, he said, I am. They fell on the ground. It says they fell on the ground. In other words, it stunned them. And Susan just answered the last one as why they reacted the way they did. The Jewish, the Romans wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have had 4,220 Roman soldiers that fell on the ground. They're probably looking at it going, why did these guys fall on the ground? But the Jews did. And it comes out of Exodus. I thought I am animated these too. Okay. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel. So Moses is going back to Egypt. And he said, Okay, who should I tell him that I, I, I uh, who sent me? In verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, This is what you shall say to the sons of Israel. I am has sent me to you. They knew that. They knew that about Moses. Moses was the other one that brought the word, right? What did Jesus bring? The word. What did Moses bring? The word. There's parallels there. But they knew who he was when he said that, or at least who he was declaring to be. So well, who was Jesus declaring himself to be to the crowd? God. Oh, I didn't do a very good job on this. Then, then Simon Peter said, since he had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, cut off his right ear, and the slave's name is Malchus. Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put the sword into the sheath, the cup which the Father has given me, am I not to drink it? So how does Peter react? Yeah, he says, I'm ready to fight. I think they had one sword among them all. And recognize, there's 450 people there, and he's got one sword. 
What's, okay, what's the slave's name? And who's he most likely a slave to? So Jesus' reaction, what reference does he make? The cup. Remember when he was, he's in the garden still, but when he was there, he said, let this cup pass from me. Now at this point, you can see his res resolution. He says, am I not supposed to drink of this cup? I'm here to do this. And you're getting in the way. And behold, one of those who Jesus reached and drew his sword. So Matthew gives a little bit different twist on it. And struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said, I didn't put your sword into its place. For all those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you know, think that I can appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? How then would the scripture be filled, which would fulfilled, which say it must happen this way. So the rationale that Jesus gives, what is the rationale? Well, it's, it, it talks about the scripture that prophesies that he was going to die on the cross, all the scripture. But he's, but he's, he's talking now particularly to Peter, he says, you drew a sword to defend me. I don't need that. The reason I don't need that is because I can bring in 12 legions of angels. You're seeing 450 people, 420 soldiers armed with clubs and swords. I could bring in 12 legions of angels if I wanted to. I don't want to. I want to make this happen. Yeah, that's not the way. That wasn't the plan. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, the Romans were ready if it was, because kind of the underlying theme that I was going to press on to this one is the Romans are there, why? Why did they come? Why wasn't it just the Jews and the temple guard? What was the charge, and we'll get to this, but what, do you remember what the charge was? Treason. That they said treason, yeah, sedition to the Romans. But that's not the charge they were using with the Jews. Blasphemy. So it depended on who it was. Oh, this is what the charge is. So I'm sure what they told the Romans was, we have a, what was the sect of the Jews that wanted to have armed insurrection. Sure. Zealots. Remember? There's the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essens, and the Zealots. Were kind of the four ones, at least in your New Testament survey. The Zealots were the ones that wanted to overthrow the Roman government. They looked at what they did with the Maccabees and the Seleucid Empire, and they said, we've got to be able to do the same thing. And so the Romans had a garrison there because Israel was a hotbed of insurrection. 
So the, I'm sure what they told the Romans was, hey, we've got the main leader of insurrection in the garden. And they sent a cohort to go get him. At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would a man inciting a revolt? Every day I used to sit within the temple grounds teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place, so the scripture of the prophets will be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. So, kind of just went through what it says. They had to tell that Roman commander that he's an insurrectionist. He's guilty of treason, and that's why they were there, because they could care less what he claimed to be God. Didn't matter to the Romans. So, how does he point out the hypocrisy, though, of, of the charge? Yeah, in plain view. Yep, and what was he teaching? Was he teaching sedition? No. <laughs> A real secret code. So the first trial, so they've been arrested. He's been bound by the soldiers. Those were the ones who bound him. They'll go to the first trial. So the Roman cohort, cohort, the commander and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him and brought him to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was in their best interest for one man to die in behalf of the people. So who arrested Jesus? You get to see all my questions. The Romans, not the Jews, the Romans. So why did they bring him to Annas? Why didn't they bring him to the governor? What time of night is it? Two, three in the morning? The middle of the night. You think the Roman governor's up? <laughs> I don't think he's up. So they took him, so they said, okay, we arrested him. Okay, he's, he's the treasonous guy has, has been arrested. What do you want to do? Okay, we'll take him to Annas. So who's Caiaphas? He's the son-in-law. And? He's, he's the one who said, this is where you ought to go. And why did they listen to him? Huh? Yeah, and he was. Okay, he was the high priest for the year. Okay, for the year. So what position had Annas possibly fulfilled in the past years? Caiaphas was just that year. Doesn't say, but it implies it in subsequent verses, what position he may have held. Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so another disciple. Now that disciple known to the high priest, and he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the doorkeeper, and brought Peter in. 
the doorkeeper is going to play a part through this also. So, who was the other disciple that followed along with Peter? John. Okay, John never really identifies himself. So how did, how did John know, and what did, you, what did that afford him? Or who did John know, and what did that afford him? He knew Annas. Or Caiaphas, doesn't say. So what did John do for Peter? Huh? He snuck him in the back door, so to speak. Okay, th this is happening in the courtyard. So it's, it's at Annas' home, right? And in the middle of the home, there's a courtyard. And that's where all this is happening. And so he was standing outside the courtyard. John brought him inside the courtyard. But John was in the courtyard close. He wasn't just inside the door. He was close to what was going on. Then the slave woman, who was the doorkeeper, said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the slaves and the officers were standing there, having made a charcoal fire, for it is cold. And they were warming themselves, and Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. So who makes the first query? Yeah, the doorkeeper. Were you with him? What was that slave's responsibility? What was her responsibility? Only let authorized people in. So why did Peter say no? He was afraid. There he was. Jesus is standing there bound. You've got still Roman soldiers there. Yeah, I already made one mistake. And that one we're going to come back to also with Peter and the slave. That There's the tie-in in, in some of the scripture. So the two, did the two stand in different spots? Yeah. Peter's back there in the cheap seats, <laughs> so to speak, okay? He's still in the courtyard. He can see everything that's going on. He can hear everything that's going on. But he's kind of off there with the people that don't get the front row seats, okay? They're around the fire. They're warming themselves and right there. But that's where he is. John's not there. John's up front. He's very close to what's going on. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and about his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple area where all the Jews congregate. And I said nothing in secret. Why are you asking me? Ask those who have heard what I spoke to them. Look, these people know what I said. So there's, there's a group there. So what was the charge that they brought up against Jesus? It was insurrection with the Romans. But he comes in there and says, well, what have you been saying? They didn't level a charge, did they, at this point? 
So how does Annas reveal his hypocrisy? How does that reveal his hypocrisy? If you bring somebody in, you have them arrested, you have them bound up for committing a crime. You said, well, say, so what, what are you here for? <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. You're the one who arrested me. You have a charge. What is it? Right? So what's his response? Jesus' response. Yeah. It's not like I said anything in secret. Everybody knows what I said. Why are you asking me? He's perplexed, I guess. When he said that, one of the officers who was standing nearby struck Jesus, saying, Is that the way you answer the high priest? Which is why I think Annas was a high priest from a previous year. Jesus answered him, If I have spoken wrongly, testify of the wrong. But if rightly, why do you strike me? So Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So how does the court respond to Jesus' response? Well, they, they did, but they slapped him upside the head. Don't you know you can't talk to somebody like that? So what's his reaction? What's Jesus' reaction? Not meek. Not weak. Why'd you hit me? I didn't say anything wrong. If I said something wrong, tell me what I said wrong. And Annas' reaction? Get him out of here. Because he didn't answer the question. So, Peter's denial. So we'll get a little bit deeper into Peter's denial. Now Simon Peter, when he was still standing and warning himself, so they said to him, are you, you are not one of the disciples as well, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the slaves of the high priest, who was related to the one whose ear Peter cut off, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it and said, again, and immediately a rooster crowed. So now you have someone that's standing there with him while he's warming him up, and she's a cousin, sister-in-law or something, some relation to the, the slave, Malchus, that Peter cut his ear off. And then Jesus put the ear back on again. So that got through the family pretty quick as far as what happened when they went to pick him up in the garden. So how many more times did the group he was standing and asked Peter if he was a disciple of Jesus? This is a continuation in John. So you had the first one earlier, and now you have two more. How credible is the third accusation? Yeah. And do you think Malchus would have forgotten who cut his ear off? Not too likely, right? So she's a very credible witness. In Matthew, it goes in a little more detail. Now, Peter was sitting outside the courtyard, and the slave woman came to him and said, You too were with Jesus at the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you're talking about. When he had gone out of the gateway, another slave woman saw him and said to him, who were there, this is the man with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. 
A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, and she was a bystander, I think, you really are one of them as well, since even the way you talk gives you away. Then he began, and he was a Galilean. I guess maybe they had an accent. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the statement that Jesus had made. Before a rooster crows, you would deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. So what does Matthew add as far as Peter and how willing he is to go to, what lengths he's willing to go to in order to deny Jesus? Yeah, he starts cussing up a storm. Yeah, it's not me. So in Luke, there's a little bit of thing added. I want to go down to verse 61. And then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. It's only in Luke. But you, you can see Peter is in the courtyard. He's close enough. They can hear what's going on. And Jesus hears this commotion, what's going on, and he knows it's Peter. And he turns around and he looks at him. How much do you think that chilled Peter's heart? The thing Peter said he would never do. And he said, Satan's going to sift you. And it just happened. And so Peter's, Peter's on a path right now that worries Jesus, obviously. The second trial. Wow, I'm doing real well today. I'll have to slow down some. Those who had arrested Jesus, led him, arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, high priest for the year, where the scribes and the elders were gathered together. Now the chief priests and the entire council kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus so that they might put him to death. They did not find any, even though many false witnesses came forward. So let's set the stage for this one. What is this group that's gotten together now with Caiaphas? What do we call that group? Huh? Well, kangaroo court is what they were, yeah. It's the Sanhedrin, isn't it? What are they meeting? What time of day is it? Yeah, before the sun comes up. It may be three, it may be four o'clock in the morning. We don't know, but it's well before the sun comes up. Are they supposed to do that? Never, never supposed to do that. By their own rules, Supposed to be in, you know, we have the sunshine law here in this state. Well, they kind of had the sunshine state in, in, in Israel. You know, they did things out in the open. This is the middle of the night, or the middle of the morning, and they're having a trial. And as, you, as Doug said, it's a kangaroo trial. So who's gathered with them there? The council. The council's the Sanhedrin. And also the chief priests, and the council. So you've got the priests, you've got the Sanhedrin, you've got all those, that's the power structure in Judaism, right? How does where they are, when they are, show the hypocrisy? 
and who they bring to, to testify. What do you think, Wanda? I can start using names now. <laughs> I got two of them I can go to with just one word. How does it show the hypocrisy? They didn't follow their own rules. And who, who, yeah, yeah. Do not bear false witness. What did they did? They didn't bring a false witness. They brought a whole line of false witnesses in there to testify about what he did. Didn't they? Yep. Well, they're trying to also manipulate the Romans to kill him. So the people can't point to him and say, well, you killed him. This, this whole thing is a manipulation game by the leadership to get rid of the guy that's causing them the problem, that's pointing out the hypocrisy. Because it's, it's, he's impacting them because it's in their pocketbook. It's all about power. It's all about money. What did they do to Stephen? Did they ask any permission to stone Stephen? No. They knew it was politically a bad idea for them to kill Jesus. They needed to get somebody else to do it. And the excuse they had was, well, we can't put anybody to death. We have to have the Romans' approval. They didn't do that with Stephen. They didn't do that the times they tried to stone Paul. Actually, they did stone Paul. They almost killed him. But later on, two came forward and said, this man stated, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. The high priest stood up and said to him, do you offer no answer for these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest said to him, I place you under oath by the living God to tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. So, of all these witnesses that came up, said, he did this, he did that, blah, 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 blah. What seemed to have the gravity, the weight, as far as an accusation that they responded to, and why? Because they thought he was going to destroy their temple. Yeah. What, was the, what, what did the temple represent for them? Moneymaker. Remember what they did? They had the money changers. So if you brought your money in and you were coming from, I don't know, uh, Turkey, the area of Turkey, Syria, and everything like that, you brought down that money there, you had to change it for temple money, which may have been like 20 cents on a buck for us. And then you had to buy a temple animal to give a sacrifice because whatever you brought wasn't good enough. So it was a real moneymaker for them. And he threatened their power base, the temple. That's how they made their money, that's how they kept their power. So how did Jesus react? didn't say anything. It wasn't like with Annas. He did respond to Annas, but this particular time, he's not going to say anything at all. 
So what shows the depth of the conceit and the evil of Caiaphas? First bell. I place you under the oath of the living God. In other words, I'm doing this and I'm invoking God to do it. And he's doing it against God. Yeah, yeah. What's he going to say? I swear by myself? But that's the hypocrisy that he has. He's saying, I'm representing God. And it's like, but I'm God. <laughs> How can you be representing me? You're trying to destroy me. That's a hypocrisy and the evil that you see in Caiaphas. His perspective is so, so twisted for himself and his power and their power. So how accurate was what the two came forward and said? Is that what he really said? I will destroy this temple and raise it again in three days? Back in John. At the end of the verse, and this is very early. It's John 2, so it's very early in there. So they're, they're going back like two and a half years in what he said. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So that's not exactly what he said. He said, you destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. And the temple he's talking about isn't the temple they're talking about. So it's, what they did was they took something out of context and twisted it. They were liars. Something he had said in the past, they knew what it was, but they knew enough of it to twist it, to make it a lie. Or a half-truth. A half-truth is a lie. Right? So that's where they pulled this from was when he was teaching, and he was talking about himself. So, 24. Got it all on there. I've even got the answer on there. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power. So now he's answering what Caiaphas has said. Tell me, I'm invoking the, the, word, the name of God. Tell me whether you're the Son of God. But I tell you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, He has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? See, you have now heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He deserves death. So how does Jesus respond to the priest's charge? The charge was, tell me whether you're Jesus, the Son of God, or not. How does he respond? He says he's going to be, he didn't say he was the Christ, but he says, I'm going to be at the right hand of God. That's what I see. How does a priest respond? It kind of goes ballistic, doesn't he? Oh, look what he said. Well, yeah. If he'd lied... That had been a sin. He told the truth. And for telling the truth, what'd they do? Kill him! Let's kill him! So that's the council response. Why? 
is there in Leviticus? If it's blasphemy, so moreover, the one who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. All the congregation shall certainly stone him. The stranger as well as the native, the state native being a Jew. When he blasphemes the name shall be put to death. So who's supposed to kill him? The Jews are supposed to stone him to death. So did they really follow the law? They did with Stephen. They didn't want the blood on their hands. They would have made good politicians today, wouldn't they? <laughs> yep. <laughs> they were manipulative to the Romans, to the Jews, to everybody to keep their power for another 40 years. Last slide. Then they spit in his face and beat him with their fists, and the other slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ, who is the one who hit you? So what does what does a council defend, descend into? A mob. A mob. And Doug will pick up on trial number three next week. And I finished right on time.